Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be talking with Victor Shi. He is the co-host of iGen Politics with Jill Weinbanks. He's the strategy director for Voters Tomorrow. He's a Gen Z activist and a former White House and DNC intern. We have a lot to talk about, but before we get into it. The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Victor Shi. Welcome to the show, Victor. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And, you know, after this election, we've had some surprises, and there are new people that people, other people on Twitter are starting to pay attention to, and you are definitely one of them. Not that they were not paying attention to you before, but uh your definitely your your voice and you are on the rise so i'm really grateful that you're here um let's see i want to talk about this youth vote we've got a lot to talk about today so um you tweeted today that the biggest takeaway from the election was do not piss off gen z women or liz cheney (laughs) if you're running for office and you want to win now that was i think specifically uh you were talking a little bit about Carrie Lake or yeah, Carrie Lake there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the youth vote. Let's talk about Gen Z women. I've got some real specific questions, but in a, like an overall thing, tell us your thing. What happened with Gen Z? Yes. So uh, like you said, I mean, the, so the Liz Cheney one, there was an epic clapback from Liz Cheney yesterday. Very simple, but very, very effective. Uh, basically Carrie Lake, uh, wrote this letter saying to Liz Cheney about how she urged Arizonans not to vote for her. And Carrie like got a little bit mad and said, <laughs> um, thank you. And then basically Liz Cheney said, you're welcome, which is quite an epic uh, takedown. Yeah. <laughs> but in Gen Z specifically, I think just kind of speaking in broad terms and can get kind of finer into the detail is that basically Gen Zers turned out to vote. This is the second election, uh, midterm election, in which Gen Z voted at historic numbers at. This was 27% of Gen Zers turned out to vote. Um, and there was kind of a lot of indications that suggested that would be the case, starting with the fall of the, the Dobbs decision uh, back in June. A lot of young people woke up to that decision and basically saw a right that they thought was a guaranteed get overturned. And so um, the number of young people who, after that, registered to vote, turned out to vote, especially in Kansas, uh, was kind of groundbreaking, and you saw that continue through uh, into uh, t- last uh, Tuesday. And then on top of that, you just have this Republican Party that is just attacking our very existence through the classrooms, through uh, banning books, mm-hmm. um, through voting against legislation that we uh, care deeply about, like climate change, gun reform uh, legislation. So all of these things combined, I think, resulted in a lot of young people turning out to vote, especially in some of those key battleground states like Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Ohio. Yeah. And, you know, you wrote a piece, a really good piece in the Chicago Tribune, and you talked about the turnout rate among young people. You said it's projected to be uh, the second highest for a midterm election with nearly 27 percent of young people voting. And that's according to Circle Estimate. And I just want to, you know, I used to I'm 54 now, so my young days are long gone. But I do remember back in the day 
I felt very protected, right? I felt like if I wanted abortion, it was accessible to me, easily accessible. If I wanted birth control, there was not an issue. Nobody was talking about banning books and all of this stuff. So I'm just curious, you know, there are people who have criticized young people for not showing up in the past. And I think I understand their mindset, right? Because I was one of them. But things have changed. And I do believe if I was young today, I would be chomping at the bit, the bit to vote. So I, what as I, we know that the main, I think, push and correct me if I'm wrong, was abortion, climate and guns. Now, there's additional and democracy plays a role, too. Yep. But those are do you think that those are going to keep young people energized? I think they will. And you're so right about just the, the top three issues. So it was overwhelmingly uh, abortion, uh, I guess the right to access an abortion, climate change, and gun reform, safety, student loan debt, all of those things are kind of in the mix as well. Um, I, I think if we're on track right now, and, and based off of everything that we're seeing from the Republican Party and their attempts to, one, not just kind of stop at abortion, they also want to go further than that mm-hmm. with uh, accessing uh, contraception, banning that practice, um, the right to marry who you want. Uh, all of those things are kind of on the chopping block, and I think that young people um, are really scared of because we saw what happened with um, uh, Dobbs and, and that decision. And so I think that's going to kind of continue as we head into both Georgia mm-hmm. and the 2024 elections. Um, but I think you're also going to see a lot of young people just kind of realize um, the power that we have as a voting block. And it might not be um, about the issues. It might just be just young people want to go out there and vote uh, uh, come 2024. And so I think you're going to see an interesting mix of both kind of young people realizing how much power we have in the electorate, but also this sustained effort from the Republican Party yeah. to come after um, a lot of the rights that young people care deeply about. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I mean, I ma- I've made the point on my show before that if this was solely about something like legalizing marijuana nationally and a whole bunch of young people showed up and whether it passes or even let's just say it didn't pass, I could see where there would be discouragement and, and people would feel like, oh, well, my vote doesn't count. But with this yeah. election, I mean, it looks like it looks like the Republicans are going to have a very slim margin in the House. Um, I wish that weren't the case, but I, I think overall we had a very good election. We did we didn't vote in, or we you know the, the, there was the attorneys generals who were tr- uh, uh, election deniers and they lost, and we saw a lot of the election deniers losing. And I'm wondering if you think that. Do you have any sense that the Republican Party is going to figure out that they're like they just keep doubling down on their cruelty and on their, you know, whether it's racism or sexism? Do you think they're going to get the hint and kind of go the way of Glenn Youngkin with, you know, looking nice and saying all the right things, but having, you know, not saying the bad part out loud? Do you think they're going to catch on or do you think they're just going to keep saying the bad part out loud? I mean, I everything that tells me, everything that I've seen since the election uh, tells me it's probably going to be the latter, where they're going to keep on saying the quiet part out loud. And part of why I said this, because I mean, one of the things that we saw after Tuesday was the number of Republicans who kind of stormed to both Twitter and uh, on Fox News and who were like, you know, uh, we are basically in a crisis mode. We saw the number of young people who turn out to vote and um, they basically were kind of scrambling. Mm-hmm. And their one kind of solution to that wasn't to appeal to young voters, wasn't to make it easier for young voters to vote. It was to raise the age of voting mm-hmm. to 21. <laughs> and that is absurd on every single level. They think it's 
better for young people to access uh, guns than it is to vote. I mean, it's messed up no matter how much you think about it. And I think you're going to keep on seeing that where the Republican Party really has nothing to offer to young people. They might offer some things on the surface, but the deeper you kind of read into them, the more you kind of realize they have um, nothing to kind of offer to improve our lives. And so I think at least my guess is, and especially it'll be interesting to see what happens um, as we're talking, Trump might be announcing that he's running for president again mm-hmm. today. So uh, the Republican Party is going to go kind of go through this. Um, I think you're going to see kind of this huge division between those like Trump and those like DeSantis mm-hmm. and Youngkin who are kind of appealing on the surface and who don't say a lot of those things out mm-hmm. loud. But a lot of the Republicans uh, are going to fall in line with Trump and, and yeah. say the quiet part out loud. And so um, my guess is that they're going to keep kind of going with this uh, kind of absurdity uh, heading into uh, 2024. <laughs> well, I guess one can only hope, right? I mean, I think yeah. it's like when you are so obvious about it, it's it's making young people feel very uncomfortable and it's taking them to the polls. Now, I had Santiago Mayor on not too long ago. Yeah. I know you're the strategy director of votes, uh, Voters Tomorrow. What I want to ask about this is, what is it that you guys are doing to mobilize voters and, you know, back, I'm going to go back, I'm going to age myself once again. And, you know, when I was young, we had MTV, we had Madonna and Sting and everybody saying, you know, go vote. We had to get out the vote effort. But I have to say, I never heard from anybody outside of what I saw on MTV about getting out the vote. So yep. what what is it that you guys do? What is it the gra- what are the grassroots actions that you're taking to mobilize young people and, and energize them? So that keyword you just said grassroots is one of the things that voters of tomorrow has invested heavily in. Um, all across the country there are voters of tomorrow chapters um, in states on colleges even in high schools who are having those kind of individual conversations with young people because that's i think where it all starts a lot of this generation is connected very deeply online and we're the, we're the most digitally connected generation in america so part of that calculus for us and how we organize um, with young people is also going on social media and going on platforms like Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and kind of meeting young people where they are because that model of meeting uh, maybe older generations where they are just don't work with young people. So part of that calculus is going on kind of digital spaces, but a lot of it is also grassroots organizing, going to kind of talking with young voters uh, in in person, face-to-face, and having those conversations is something that Voters of Tomorrow has done a lot uh, in these past couple of months, and we're going to only continue to do as we head into Georgia in 2024. What What are the things that they're saying to you? I, I mean, we know that abortion and all that is their concern, but I mean, do, do they get into it more? Do they talk about democracy? Do they understand that if the Republicans take control, that democracy is basically finished at least for a generation? They do. And that's one of the things that we saw uh, in one of the kind of the national conversations that we had. And we translated that into a poll, which is basically that, yes, abortion is overwhelmingly the key issue among young people. Uh, More than two thirds of young people view that threat as kind of coming under attack and why they voted in this election. But at the same time, you also have a lot of young people worried about the state of our democracy um, and, and kind of the state that we're in, you know, especially before the election. One of the things that at least I kind of heard from my friends is that this kind of big lie that Trump spread in 2020 was much more concerning because it trickled down ballot. And you've had a lot of these election deniers run across the country. And thank goodness, uh, most of them lost their election um, and, and don't have control over some of the key mechanisms to control the election. But just the threat of, of that being a reality um, concerned a lot of young people. And so you had a lot of young people being concerned about the direction 
of the Republican Party and kind of this full-on embrace of election denialism and uh, subversion of democracy. And so that was also very much a key issue. Um, but also other issues, kind of like we said at the um, intro, climate change, this this mm-hmm. kind of immediate threat into uh, young people's lives and our future gun safety and, and kind of all of these kind of mass shooter drills that we have to go through. Uh, just yesterday, there was um, a heartbreaking one at University of Virginia where um, three people were unfortunately um, shot by a gunman. And so all of these issues are so kind of upfront for young people. And we realize that there really is one party that has shown time and time again that they're committed to addressing these issues, and that's the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and do you, do you get the sense from young people that they feel aligned with the Democratic Party? Do you think they're – I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of critiques. I think the Democratic Party did really well, so I want to just put that out there. But, you know, we are a big party. We're a big tent party, and we criticize each other. And as far as messaging is concerned, it does it. It looks like to me, specifically with the White House, I know that Biden spent more than an hour in in October with young people who have like big TikTok pages and stuff like TikTok stars. And I know that he invited a lot of influencers from Twitter. They weren't necessarily younger influencers, but a lot of them from Twitter to the White House to help with this messaging. Do you think that? the Democratic Party is going to be able to uh, keep the interest of young voters because, you know, they get sometimes they get critiques just because they're kind of old school in some of the things they do. Do you think they're kind of moving in with the times, I guess, is what I'm asking? I, you know, I think I think the Democratic Party is and and I think credit is due where credit's due in terms of this administration. One of the things that I remember, uh, so I ran to become a delegate uh, for Joe Biden back in 2020. And um, a lot of the things that I heard from young people were that, um, you know, he wasn't the most enthusiastic candidate, mm-hmm. that he um, kind of didn't have bold enough policies. And one of the things that we've seen kind of, and, and I'll split this up into two buckets, is first you have the policy aspect of this administration, which has been that they listen to young people mm-hmm. and they've enacted legislation that would improve our lives. The Inflation Reduction Act, that was the largest investment ever into climate change, passing common sense gun reform legislation. While there's much more to do, that was a historic bill to pass, mm-hmm. um, like pardoning those with simple marijuana possession. Um forgiving student loan debt for a, a good chunk of the population. All of those things are things that young people care deeply about the administration delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, it's also uh, translating that policy to young people. And like you said, um, one of the things that Democrats and uh, this administration did right before uh, October or right before the election was kind of convene these groups of uh, influencers and activists who are on TikTok or on mm-hmm. Instagram and kind of give them all the tools that they needed uh, to amplify that message. And so um, basically a lot of young people, I think, realize that it's much easier to listen to someone your age than someone who's 50, 60 <laughs> years older than you. And so that was, I think, a really smart move by um Democrats in the administration, because I think they realize that the messenger really matters uh, when you talk to young voters. And so uh, if you can get those kind of if you can get that information to where young people consume uh, their information, it kind of goes a lot further. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, one thing that I do want to I'm kind of concerned about um, and maybe you can put my mind at rest. Obviously, it looks like we're not going to get the House, but it will be a slim margin. Now, do you think that 
because of that, I mean, we've seen in the past that um, whether it's young people or just certain kinds of Democrats get very upset and they blame the Democratic Party for not winning. There's even an argument out there, well, it shouldn't even be this close. Well, yeah, it shouldn't be this close, but we've got Fox News and Newsmax and all kinds of propaganda that we're working against. So do you think the fact that the Democrats are probably going to lose the House and the Republicans will have it with a slim margin, is that going to keep the interest of young people because we're going to continue to see just all kinds of obstruction and uh, the doubling down is that going to, like, I guess, continue to keep the interest, whether it's out of rage or, or discomfort from young people? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of kind of what we're seeing right now, especially with the House, and, and, and I understand the concern of, you know, we're barely holding on to the House or we might barely lose the House. Um, that's concerning to me because one of the things that, I mean, Republicans talk about saying it out loud is Republicans saying that they're going to open all of these investigations and all of these kind of witch hunts into mm -hmm. people like Hunter Biden, people like Merrick Garland, uh, even Anthony Fauci. I mean, all of these things are just, I mean, so absurd on every level. And as much as kind of it concerns me about just the preservation of democracy and the mm -hmm. fact that you have a whole chunk of the electorate who is going to believe uh, what Republicans say. At the same time, I think what gives me comfort is, and especially I think after this election, is that the electorate is much smarter than Republicans uh, give them credit for. Um, I think Republicans think that you know fear will work, mm -hmm. exhaustion will work, um, some of their misinformation will work. But young voters especially, one of the things that um, distinguishes this generation from the past generation is that we are not only the most diverse, the most politically active, but we are also the most educated generation in America. More of us are willing to go to college. More of us go to college. And so a lot of it kind of goes back to the fact that I, I think that voters just don't fall for uh, what the Republican Party is trying to do. And that gives me comfort. As much as it's concerning that they're going to hold on to yeah. the House, um, I think, you know, it's going to come back and bite them in the end. Uh, voters are a lot better than that, I think. Now, I don't know if you saw the uh, comments by Jesse Waters basically telling men to put a ring on it so that the women will just shut up and stay home and not vote. Um, I already know how this affects young women. I'm just curious, maybe you can enlighten us on how Gen Z men feel when they hear something like that. I mean, it's enraging. You know, when I saw that, my, my jaw dropped and, and I was a bit, I expect nothing nothing better than uh that from someone like jesse waters right. but it's it's bad and, and i think what makes this generation especially young men in this generation um too is you know if we have you know girlfriends if we have um you know spouses or anything like that we have to have those conversations with them um and so i think for young women they're more willing to have those conversations they're more willing to kind of make us informed and so as a result you know after dobbs one of the kind of most interesting things that we saw was that it wasn't just young women who were kind of mobilized and mm -hmm. activated by this uh, decision it was also young men who realized that you know this is a threat that will impact us too and, yes. and what we can do with you know uh if we want to have a baby one day and so i think for a lot of young men this is also a very much a, a kind of immediate kind of um sign uh for us in terms of our support for the republican party well, well, that I mean, I, I'm not totally surprised, but I'm very happy to hear that because it is. Obviously, abortion is an issue that affects men. If you're in a couple and you have three kids and you can't afford another one and the wife gets pregnant, I mean, that's yep. going to affect the entire family. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, the, that men recognize this, especially young men, because I would assume that the young men have the most to worry about in this case. Right. You know, they're the ones who have to deal with... Uh, 
women getting pregnant more often than like people my age are going to have to worry about. So um, I'm also wanting to ask you now, obviously we're seeing this feud between DeSantis and Trump, or I should say Trump going after DeSantis. And, and then we're also seeing the Republican party kind of turning away from Trump. And I'm wondering just in a general sense, where do you think Trump, there's also pending investigations, pending indictments, all that stuff happening. Mm -hmm. How do you see this this whole thing playing out with the Republican Party and Trump? Do you think they're fully going to turn on him? What do you think is going to happen there? Oh, it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, on one hand, I think that you're going to still have a healthy 30% of the Republican Party support him uh, no matter what he does. On the other hand, I think there are interesting signs that show that the Republican Party might just be moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Hawley, even, I think. Yeah. Uh, a tweet that said we have to burn the Republican Party or I guess what it once was and build something new um, and it you know might be because it takes the loss to get people to realize that what they do is unpopular um, but I want I think it's important to realize even if that happens um, I think we're going to see Ron DeSantis hopefully I think we're going to see Ron DeSantis uh, run for office in 2024 mm-hmm. and one of the things that you're going to see from that is we cannot underestimate how much of a threat uh, Ron DeSantis also has yes. uh, for the party he's someone who is just as kind of power hungry as trump he's just as extreme as trump but he just has this veneer that makes him look competent he's Mm -hmm. slick he knows how to look in front of the camera and sell something but under the surface he is just as crazy as trump he doesn't want democracy to thrive he doesn't want minorities to be a part of a kind of a thriving country and so um it's important to realize that while trump may not get as much support and while republicans might be supporting uh desantis more it's up to all of us to realize that desantis is just as bad if not worse than trump because he can say everything that trump does he can say that everything that trump says but just in a much better way and convince people and actually get things done whereas trump might not be able to get policies passed but ron desantis can and that's frightening to me yeah, it's frightening to me. But then there's also the possibility. I mean, I don't we nobody knows what's going to happen. But, you know, there's the right. dream scenario where Trump announced a run and then he loses and maybe DeSantis or somebody else becomes the GOP nominee. And because Trump is so angry, he decides to run thir- third party. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it. That's my dream. But um and, and that's a dream that's a scary, horrible dream to have. But, but the, re- yep. you know, the clear reason is because he does take along with him a certain amount of his base, and we don't need everybody from that. We just need enough of them to boycott or not vote or something like that in protest because yep. they're pissed yep. off that the Republican Party is letting go of Trump. But then throw into this, there's, you know, the, we have also no idea who is going to be indicted if Donald will be indicted, but it looks like there's a strong possibility that he will be. And how do you think that's going to play, especially with young people watching a former president go through indictments? So one of the most interesting things that I saw, um, and we won't have full results for another couple of days or even weeks, is um, the difference between the kind of party and and how young people voted. Uh, So basically one of the things that we saw based exit polls and early voting data was basically a lot of young Democrats turned out and voted in much higher numbers in 2018. You saw this especially in battleground states. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, young Republicans either uh, decreased in turnout from 2018 or they barely increased turnout from 2018. And part of my kind of if I had to guess why that was, I think a lot of it is kind of goes down to what Mitch McConnell said about candidate quality. Um, a lot of the 
candidates on the Republican side were just frankly um, just really off-putting and, and young people realized that they realized kind of this immediate threat of the Republican Party and that's why I think you saw a lot of them kind of stay home or barely turn out to vote and I think with all of these indictments with Trump it's hard to support someone who leads your who leads your party and who might be indicted for obstructing justice or who uh, for taking you know, classified documents home or who might be indicted for his role on January 6th. And so I think um, a lot of these indictments are actually going to help Democrats in terms of, um, I guess, making Republicans not show up to vote because it's hard to support someone like that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. And then, you know, I, I also want to address the pollsters. So obviously we saw a lot of them getting it wrong. We saw Real Clear Politics, 538. They really, yep. they just relied on the GOP uh funded basically junk polls mm -hmm. and then then there's also the traditional polling methods now i'm guessing that polling was a little bit more accurate back in the landline day when people yeah. had yeah. to answer their phone when you have a cell phone if you don't know who it is you're not going to answer okay answering machines may have played a role in people not answering but ultimately people at home will do i don't know who's calling so oh hi pollster and then maybe they're going to give them five minutes of their time we're not seeing so much of that plus I was saying this entire time that I don't believe that these new Democrats, especially young people, but all these new Democrats, I don't believe they were even being polled. I don't know if they nope. had enough time for, you know, to get all the information to poll them. And so moving forward, I'm just curious, where do you think the polling issue goes? Because we did see some yeah. some real um, accurate polling from people like, well, this was his hobby, Christopher Boozy, but then also Simon Rosenberg and Tom Bonier. They had their finger on the pulse of what was happening and the rest whether it was mainstream media or rcp or 538 did not so how do you think this is going to play out moving forward with polling i mean i hope one of the key takeaways for the media for pollsters is that they got it all wrong or most of them got it all wrong the media uh, and there was one article from politico that said voters are or young voters are mia uh, in this election that was days before uh, wow. election day you had pollsters basically say that this would be a huge red wave and that democrats would suffer and, and one of the things that we saw as you as we all can see is democrats not only held control of the senate but we barely lost any seats in the house and, and we still don't know what's going to happen in the house and that really deviates from historical precedent. And a lot of that is because of young voters turning out, I think, in much higher rates than they anticipated. And like mm -hmm. you said, I mean, one of the things for young voters is that we barely answer phone calls when it comes from our parents. <laughs> not, not even, you know, uh, not to mention just, you know, pollsters who want 30 <laughs> minutes of our time. I mean, it's so hard to get young people to answer calls. And um, I think that's going to change the entire landscape of polling. And I yeah. hope that the Nate Silvers of the world and um, some of those other pollsters realize that it's probably best not to uh, make any predictions because the electorate is very unpredictable and young people are also very hard to reach. And so it's hard to kind of put your mm -hmm. finger on, on, on what's happening uh, in the country, especially with young voters now. And uh, they are changing the entire dynamic. And so I think going forward, um, all of us hopefully will put less weight into polls and ask voters more kind of meaningful questions about what they're feeling and, and having those individual conversations mm -hmm. rather than trying to kind of make conclusions based off of just a thousand people uh, that you poll in, in a sample. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Uh -huh. The last question that I have for you is what do you have to say moving forward? Like, what do we have to hope for moving forward? I, I asked this a lot of my guests, and obviously it was before 
the election. So now the election is over. We're basically into the new election season. <laughs> I mean, maybe we get we can we can start in January. But what do you think we have to be helpful for moving you know into 2024? Um, one of the most things, one of the things that I'm most hopeful about is that Gen Z and millennials, the political power that we have is only growing. Uh, by 2024, we are expected to outnumber any generation older than us uh, in terms of wow. voting eligibility and, and eligible voters. And so um, this generation is only growing. What we saw in 2018 with a historic number of young people turning out, mm-hmm. what we saw in 2020 with another historic record of uh, young people showing up to the ballot box, and what you saw in 2022 with young people overwhelmingly uh, voting for Democrats and helping Democrats win, I think you're only going to see uh, happen again in 2024 with this electorate growing in size and growing in power. And so I think um, it, that gives me hope knowing that young voters are going to hopefully save the day again in 2024. But also, I think at the same time, we can't kind of uh, take young voters for granted. Right. We have to keep on having those conversations with young voters. One of the things that I've been uh, most comforted by is the DNC really thinking through how they can reach young voters now, because I think they realize there is no path to victory in mm-hmm. any election going forward without young people showing up and voting for Democrats. And so um, I think you're seeing a lot of promising signs that this generation is only getting started. Uh, but at the same time, the work, I think, only starts here. Yeah, and for sure, Gen Z has totally changed the narrative on young people voting. I'm personally so grateful, and I'm grateful for what you're doing and and you're you're motivating it's making you know i wrote a book called american woman the pole dance i wrote it in 2014 and it was because i was a young person who didn't pay attention and i wanted to write a book that you know for me for my 20 something year old self and you know up until donald trump came onto the scene we weren't seeing it and it's not that i was so ultimately disappointed in young people because I did have that understanding and I remember what it was like. I just thought, what can get young people motivated? And, you know, unfortunately, one of the things is really horrible leadership. So um, we've had plenty of that. And I, I, I mean it when I say people like... Uh, Santiago Mayer and you are so key into making this work and I'm grateful for the work that you do I'm grateful for your messaging thank you so much and before I let you go please tell everybody where to find you well first of all thank you so much for all that you do in having these conversations and having me on today Um, it really takes all of us doing our part to make these uh make this democracy better and so um you've had a huge difference and and thank you so much for um having me on in terms of where people can find me i'm uh on twitter as long as that'll stay (laughs) i i haven't created mastodon account i've seen a lot of people do that though um who knows what will happen maybe i will but i haven't kind of quite grasped that yet um i'm on Instagram. I also co-host a podcast with Joe Winebanks. If you want to listen, that happens weekly. Um, and I'm kind of float around uh, doing some MSNBC appearances or uh, writing for uh, different outlets. So I'll post all of those on my Twitter, but um, I'm most active on Twitter. Awesome. And that's Victor She 2020 is your handle. Um, yes. Am I correct there? Yes, I am. And uh, I am author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the extra E. My books are on Amazon. Victor, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. Take care. Bye-bye.